How you guys doing? All right. Good. Good, good. Glad to see you all here today. Um, there is something I want to do before we dive in. Um, last month marked the, uh, the last month that uh, something was happening here at church, and it's been happening for a long time. Um, I would like to actually invite Jamie. Where is Jamie? There she, Jamie is. So for those of you who don't know, maybe you know, Jamie has been a member of the governing board here at church. So if you actually, we can do better than that. Give Jamie a round of applause in the back there. So Jamie has been on the board, I believe, four years Four years she's been on the governing board here at church, and um, last month marked the end of her time serving on the board. And so what I wanted to do is just take a minute uh, for us to acknowledge Jamie and thank her for the four years that she's done. Um, now, for those of you who have been at church for a long time, I think almost all of you have been here longer than I have. But um, Jamie, we actually have something for you up here. You can come up and take this. I figured it'd be better if she gave them to you than me, because my wife's right there, and it would look real bad. <laughs> But this, these are for you, just a small way for us to say thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Give her another round of applause. Um, Jamie's been here for a long time. Uh, the board, um, in general, has gone through a lot the past uh, four years, especially since she's been on it. Been through a couple different pastor transitions, a period of pastor searching. And I say, when I, when I got here, uh, Jamie really helped my family and I integrate in here smoothly. She was always on the spot for what do you need? What can I get for you? Uh, what's information on the church? What are passwords, codes? And just she was on top of everything. So Jamie, thank you so much for everything you've done. And I know she's not like leaving the church. This isn't like a goodbye, Jamie, but thank you for everything that you've done. And um, I could not have done what I've done without your help and support. So thank you for everything you've done for us, Jamie. <clears throat> All right. Well, today... Uh, we're going we're gonna to finish up our series on following Jesus. And also another quick thing. If you look around the room, you'll notice that um, it's, it's a little scarce in here today. Um, I was actually online. I think when I jumped online a second ago, I saw 14 or 15 screens online, which is our more than normal. Um, but just to bring you guys in, if you look around and you notice like, hey, I wonder where such and such is. This isn't the case for everybody today. But I do know this week COVID has hit a lot of households. Um, lots of people have texted me and said, hey, I'm down and out with COVID. Hey, my family's not feeling good. I got a call this morning from someone saying, hey, my kids are feeling this. I think COVID is now possibly in our house. So it's, it's going around. Um, I actually went through it this last week. It's not fun. So pray for people. Um, if you don't see someone here that's normally here, shoot them a text. Let them know you're thinking about them. Like I said, don't, don't assume that that's who I'm talking about. You say, I hear you have COVID. We're actually just on vacation. You know, so don't, you know, it could just be that. But... Pray for people. Let people know you're thinking about them. Um, if you're watching us online, thank you so much for joining us. And if you're online because you have COVID, we are praying for you. And thank you for reaching out and letting us know how we can pray for you this week. Um, if you would, please open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Now, this may strike you, some of you right off the bat, like, Luke chapter 1? That's like Christmas. You're right. It is. And we're going to talk a little bit about part of the Christmas story today in June. If you uh, know my family, you know that um, my wife listens to Christmas music whenever it gets cold. Since living in Washington, there's been lots of Christmas music. But we're going to talk a little bit about some Christmas stuff today, or a portion of the Christmas story. Not about Christmas, but it, it relates to following Jesus in a fun way. So Luke chapter 1, and then uh, let me pray for us as we uh, dive in. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that we get to come and we get to celebrate and we get to, to be here lifting you up. 
God, for all the people that are not with us today um, due to health reasons, God, I pray for your blessing on their lives right now. God, put your hands on their bodies. Put your hands in their homes. Uh, People that are wondering if it's COVID, God, I pray that it's not. People who are battling COVID, I pray for quick recoveries. God, I pray that you're just, you have this healing wave through our church and through our city. God, that people are restored to health and that people come and have an amazing time this morning, whether it's online or the people here with us in person. We'd have a fun time celebrating with you today, God. So be with us as we give you all that we are. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen. Amen. All right. Now, have you ever felt like you don't have time or space to add anything in your life? Right, like you, you look at your schedule, and it's like this is just busy. I mean, I know that some of you guys, even as uh, maybe as Katie was even doing some announcements, like, hey, we have Adopt an Island, or we have the VBS meeting, or even you know, we, we've heard me talk about small groups. You start thinking, there is just no way, I don't have time to add anything else to my schedule. My life is just too busy. Every day, you look scheduled, busy, or maybe you're like me and you think, oh, we're not that busy, and then you just double book yourself because you really are that busy. But we, there's, we live in a world where we, we thrive on busyness. And, and we look at our schedules, and it's something that almost is looked at with a form of pride almost. Like, look how busy we are. We are, we are moving. But a recent study found the following statistics. 98% of Americans reported that balance in everyday life is either very or somewhat important. That's a huge percentage, right? 98% everyday life is either very or somewhat important. of Americans view their business as a badge of busyness, sorry, their busyness as a badge of honor and success. A badge of honor and success. Has anybody here honestly done that before? Like you look like, hey, I'm busy, and that motivates you. Like, yes, that's good. Things are moving. I know that um, if you own your own business, being busy is good. You want busy. It's 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 something that you can look at a scale and say, this is is working. We're busy. 80% say that it's honor and success. 90% of people wish they had more personal time. Now we start to get into the contradictions, right? My busyness is success. Gosh, I wish I I had more time on my own. I wish I had that more personal time. 65% of Americans do not take time for themselves at least once per day. Parents, you can relate to this one, right? 65% of Americans do not take time for themselves at least once per day. Over 64% of Americans do not take time to take care of their health due to busyness. Busyness is literally related to people being unhealthy and living unhealthy lives. Now, would you say that as time goes on in your life, do you find yourself getting less busy or do you find yourself getting more busy? I, I, I found um, something crazy. When, when Stephanie and I were, I don't think we were married yet, we were dating, we went to visit some uh, friends in Colorado who were her Bible study leaders when she was younger. And when we got to their place, they, they were retired. And they told us, and we witnessed and experienced, two of the most busy people we've ever met in our lives. Retired. Blew my mind. And then I find that people that retire tend to be more busy than they are when they're not retired. So we live in this paradigm where as we get older, we say, I wish I had more personal time. Now, given they were retired and they were filling their schedule with a lot of things they loved to go do and volunteering and serving, and they were not complaining at all. Their lives were fun, what they got to do. But in general, we tend to keep busy. I know personally, I don't like the, the feeling of being lazy or not getting accomplished done. But I know when I look at our family, me and my family, we're busy people. I like being busy. Um, Over time, I've grown immensely with balancing the busyness with the family life. Something I actually got in trouble um, early on with was not making 
priority enough of my family because I was so consumed with busy and work and life and ministry. Um, Stephanie actually had to tell me at one point, like, hey, I want to make sure, and I never did it, but she told me, I want to make sure you are not going to put us on the back burner because you're being too busy in other areas. I had to work on getting balance in my life. I had to make sure that my family was a focus. Um, in the recent season, I've been making sure my health is, not, is, is getting the attention it needs. I'm not too busy to pay attention to my health. As a matter of fact, I just shared, my wedding ring doesn't fit anymore. It is an awesome, horrible problem. Um, I, I, was, I was at home, and I was downstairs, and I forget what we were doing, but I was just like, hey, oh my gosh, and my ring was gone, and I went through the mad panic of the house, cushions flying off the couch. Um, my kids, we had already put them to bed. My daughter, Aurora, I love her so much. She got out of bed to come downstairs and start looking for my wedding ring because I went into her room because we had just put her to bed, so I was like, is my ring there? I can't find my wedding ring. She comes downstairs and starts helping me look for my wedding ring. It was sweet. I found it, but I can't wear it because I go like that, and it just it plops off. But, like I said, a wonderful problem to have because I've been giving attention to an area of my life that I knew needed attention. But I know that as a nation in my life, every year, these stats that I just showed you, all these stats, they go up every single year. And what would you do if I told you that all these statistics I read you were from a time when America was a calmer place to live? These stats came out in 2013, nine years ago. Stats today, every one of those numbers is higher. That's insane to me, the amount of busyness that we have in lives. In our lives, we, we can balk at the idea of we just got to add one more thing. One more thing comes on. Your kid comes home with another flyer from school. I've got to go do this now. And you're like, okay, yes, you do. But man, when are we going to fit this in? How am I going to do this? Work gives you another project. Life throws another curveball. Something that's going to get added. It's hard to balance it out. I know I'm guilty so many times of double booking. In fact, uh, recently, my wife uh, was guilty of double booking, and it made me feel good. So I knew I wasn't the only one. She was trying to get together with a friend, and I think it was three or four consecutive dates that they had said, all right, we got it. It was either me. I was saying, actually, we have this on that day. Oh, are you right? I said, yes. And then, then I said the phrase that she says to me all the time. I said, it's on the calendar. <laughs> yeah. She was like, it is. Okay, what about this date? And then it was even, what's even greater is her friend said, I think you have this going on that day. It's like, yeah, yeah, we do. All right. So it, it was a funny time where she and her friend were trying to get together, and they finally, finally got it nailed down. But it just goes to show like how busy we were. Like, man, we can't even think of a date for two friends to get together to hang out. Four times in a row, they got called out, and they were calling out each other. Even, nope, you got that. No, you've got that. We've got that. It was so funny. People are busy. And as we wrap up the series on following Jesus, I want to turn our attention to a key part of this walk with Jesus as it relates to our busyness and us saying we don't have time to add things into our life. Honest question, not going to ask for, for hands, but how many people haven't joined a small group? Because seriously, you look at your schedule and you think, I just don't have time. I look at the schedules and I see all these groups meeting, but I look at my life and I say, I don't have time. And this is not a question to make you feel guilty. It's just an, an honest assessment. Like, I know that there are people that have said that. There are people that do that. And it's not an excuse. Like, it's, it's a legit, like, I don't have time. I'm trying to think of when I can add something in, and I just can't even think of doing it because of this, the season of life that I'm in right now. I can't fathom adding one more thing. But because of the world that we live in, I think we have to learn and, and go into this key shift in our life. Because if without this shift, Without this ability of what we're going to talk about today with making room, 
I think we're, we're missing out on a huge chunk that God has for us in our lives. Or there's a really big portion that, that we get to miss out on because we say, God, I'm a little bit too busy for that right now. I, I just don't have enough time to put this in when God says, but man, if you put this in, I got something great planned. We've got to learn how to make this shift in our lives. We've got to learn to let room for the Holy Spirit come in and start moving through us, maybe in a way it never has before. And so this brings us to the Christmas story. So Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin to be pledged to a married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May your word come to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, as, as we engage in this, this is, this is clearly a passage that people, if, if you don't know like Luke 1 exactly, you know, off the top of your head, we know this story. Many of us know the story. The angel comes, tells Mary, you're going to have a baby. And then in Luke chapter 2, we get to see the journey of Mary and Jesus being born. But there's so much in this passage here about Mary's life and her response to this angel that is so key. I want to highlight something she says here, though. The, the thing I want to show is that for Jesus to enter the earth and for God's purpose to be fulfilled, a young woman was asked to inconvenience herself in probably one of the most biggest inconveniences ever heard of, right? The biggest ask ever for someone who was not expecting this and a huge change. He was asking her to make room for Jesus. God said, I quite literally need you to carry my son. This was an inconvenience, but I love what Mary did in the Luke chapter 1. Mary made room. Mary made room. Yes, she had questions. Yes, she knew it wasn't going to be easy. I can't even imagine to begin the, the fear of what the anxiety maybe even of the conversation she was going to have with her fiancé. Can you imagine how that played out? Hey, I'm going to have a baby. What? Right? I mean, that's not a very encouraging conversation, especially for the guy to hear. And the scripture even says that Joseph thought she was cheating on him. Can't imagine what's going through her head. But Mary decided she is going to make room. She was willing to be inconvenienced to create room in her life to fulfill what God had said, I want you to do. It was not going to be easy. It was going to be hard. She was going to face ridicule and criticism. But she said, I'm going to do this. And on top of even the ridicule and criticism, have you guys ever planned a wedding? How much more do you like getting thrown at you on your plate in the middle of wedding planning season? And this isn't just a, oh yeah, we also have to do this. This is, oh yeah, now you're going to be very pregnant. Very pregnant. Facing ridicule. Facing scorn. It's all going to happen during your planned wedding. This is a lot. 
Um, I, I facilitated a Discover Ministry School class, and one of my students actually just got married um, on Monday a week ago. And leading up into her wedding, um, congratulations, Kim, if you're watching, but leading up into her wedding, it was, it was fun to hear and see her excitement as she was talking about the wedding planning, all things happening. But at the same time, then, it, then I would read the homework assignment for the week. Hey, you've got to read these four chapters. We've got to write this paper. And I could see her face go, oh. Because she had the wedding planning. And for her, it was an inconvenience, right? She was committed. She stuck through. She did every assignment. It was awesome seeing her power through this. But at the same time, she also said, I just can't wait until this part is, is done so I can focus on this instead. It was an inconvenient time, I know, for her to be in a Bible college class and planning a wedding at the same time. It was a crazy time. She wanted to take things off her plate, not have things get added on. It was an inconvenience. Mary was inconvenienced. But in this passage, notice how the angel says the work in Mary isn't just going to be Mary's work. The angel says this is going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to fill the space. And that's something we can learn from Mary here. When we open up this space, we say, God, I want you in. It's not just God saying, all right, now you, now you, now you, now you. It's God saying, now I get to come in. Now I get to work in you. Now I get to do this. And in this passage with Mary, we see that, the Holy Spirit. She says, what am I supposed to do? And God says, the Holy Spirit's going to come into your life. The Spirit's going to do a work. You're going to carry Jesus, and this is how it is going to move in you. See, following Jesus isn't just about creating space in your schedule to, to go to church. It's about creating space in your life for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. So then in turn, you get to be the church. You get to go be the church. The work that Jesus does in our lives begins with the internal. It's an internal and personal transformation. It, it's a fun season of growing and developing. And when you see someone who decides to let Jesus work in their lives, it is so fun and contagious when you hear that passion and excitement coming out. People say, God is doing this in my life. God's doing this. And this is what I get to see happening now because I'm, I'm focused on God. It's an exciting thing. Watching something grow is exciting. It's kind of like when a baby is born. The, the excitement of a new baby. But then what happens? You know, moms have those journals, right? First steps today. Some moms say first poop today, right? It's, it's, it's milestones, right? It's a big deal. But you start seeing the changing. You start seeing the growing and the developing, and everything that happens is such a fun thing. Lots of growth in those young weeks and months. In that first year, so much change happens, but you get excited with the growth and development. And then as a child grows... What's great is you start to, as parents, instill things in your kids. Now, kids often don't have a choice. They've got to make room for mom and dad. You're the one that's doing everything for them, right? But there's a shift that happens. In a baby's, in a kid's life, a shift happens where a parent gets to start teaching a kid how to be not just a consumer of the household goods, but a contributor to the house. The wonderful C word, chores, right? Kids start to do chores, I know that Aurora comes home from school and her eyes roll because if I'm home and the phone rings and it's mom, Aurora knows what that means. The phone call's coming to remind her what her chores are. But Aurora does her chores. Kids learn chores. We all had chores. We have responsibilities. When you, get, when you become an adult, those chores you know, become chores. If The responsibilities, if you don't do them, bad things happen, right? Things in the house don't move the way you need them to. But you start, they go from a consumer to a contributor. They start doing things around the house. You start giving, and you, get, you don't just get to take without a contribution in hand. And if we're not careful, I think we can approach Jesus in our faith as a consumer. We, we can start feeling like we're, we're just that little kid who just wants to go, take, take, take. I don't have any responsibilities. Just want it, want it, want it. And we forget that we have a part to play. 
We, we, have a part, we have Jesus coming and saying, I want to work in you so you can move in this way. We have a part to play with the Holy Spirit. We get to partner with the Holy Spirit. That's an exciting thing. And as we do that, just like a little kid grows into their responsibilities, we're that child of God that gets to grow in our responsibilities with him. And it's a fun season of growth. But sometimes we can just be a consumer, not a contributor. And this, this can often happen. Sometimes it's, it's our fault as, as a church. Sometimes we, we want to create an experience so great that people can come and just receive and, and, and just be served. And I, I want to create that. I do. But I also want to make sure we're part of an environment where, hey, we're coming and we're receiving and we're getting blessed. But then in turn, because of that, we get to go be a blessing. We get to serve. We get to jump on board. We don't just get to, to come and say, hey, that was a great thing church did. We get to come and say, I get to be a part of that great thing church did. I get to be a part of that worship team. I get to be a part of that small group. I get to be a part of the children's ministry. I get to do what God has put on my heart to grow and serve in him. And instead of being a consumer, we make room in our lives with God, and we get to be a contributor instead. And we get to move out of that what's-in-it-for-me mentality. We get to have that merry mentality where we say, I'm going to make room. I'm going to make room, and I'm going to let God work because I made room. Now, the question for us then is this. What could God do? What could God do if we created space for him in our lives? Let me just think about that for a second. In your, in your life, what do you think God could do in your life if you said, all right, I'm going to make space? Even if I think I'm too busy, even if I think life is just so bizarre and so compact right now, what if I decided I'm going to make room anyways? What do you think God could do? And while no one else is ever being called to do what Mary did in a physical sense of carrying Jesus, right? No, no other woman in here, relax, God's not going to all of a sudden say you're now pregnant with Jesus. That's not going to happen again. No one's going to be called to that physical aspect, but God is still looking for people today to carry his message. He may not be asking you to carry his son, but he is asking you to carry his message. To carry the gospel into the world that's around you. To spread the good news that God loves us. There's forgiveness for our sin. There's grace and love. There's, there's Jesus who comes and takes all of that from us. That word needs to get out into the world. And people need to see how our lives have been changed. They need to see how their life can be changed. That's the weight that God wants us to bring. We may not physically be carrying Jesus, but we are physically carrying and, and mentally carrying his word, his power. We are living sacrifices to him. And that's an amazing thing that we get to carry. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says this, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. These and many others bring up the plan that Jesus has to reach the world through you, through me. That, that's our job, right? That's what we get to do. When we make room for Jesus, Jesus tells us that we get to prepare the world to make more room for him. And that's a cool responsibility. God is looking for vehicles to take his message out. Now, this passage is kind of funny because it talks about a phrase that I know in my house we never put together. It says, beautiful and feet. Right? Beautiful and feet. A lot of times, feet are not associated with something beautiful. They smell. My feet are not beautiful. Right? But, but you'll notice the emphasis on here because of the power of what it's talking about and why this is a beautiful thing. What the feet get to go do. What we get to be a part of. And it's literally a call to action. 
Not a call to sit back and think about it. It's literally a call to action to go do something. The statement isn't about the beauty of just feet themselves, but the availability and willingness of those feet to go to others, to preach the good news, to give the word, to be in relationship, in community. It's a call to go out and do something. And that is what God says is beautiful. Some things can be beautiful, but totally unavailable. And you don't have to think about, some of you right now just thought about your china cabinet. Beautiful and unavailable, right? The expensive, nice china that maybe you have, your mom has, or your grandma has. And if you ever dared think of touching it, you knew what was going to happen. It was going to be bad. Don't touch it. I know that we have china at home, and we were actually just recently talking about, when was the last time we used it? It's been so long. But it's, it's a fun thing. It's available. It's beautiful. But you don't want to touch it. We have an available, we have the ability to be available. And we have a very beautiful job. I want to be able to use it. I want to be able to do it, to go out with it and do what God's called me to do. And what it might seem like a funny story with China, right? Because some of you now may have been thinking, I don't remember the last time I used it. The truth is that through Jesus, he has made all of us more beautiful than that China. He's made us far more beautiful than anything we could think of. He's healed us. He's purified us from sin. He's called us to be a part of him and his, his goal and his dream and his mission. But often we're unavailable. Right? We're unwilling to create that space because of our busyness. Now, here we have just a cup, right? This is just a green plastic cup of water. <clears throat> I'm sure everyone in their house may not have a green cup, but you, you all have cups in your house, right? You need a glass of water. What do you do? You go get a cup, you fill it with water, you get, you, you get a drink, right? Now, imagine your child is in, uh, in need of water. And so you go and you get a glass, um, or if you tell your kid to get their own glass, that's something else. You know, but Avery, for example, is not allowed to reach up and touch the glasses yet. So, Dad, can I have some water? Sure. Imagine you go and you get your, your kid a cup of water, and the cup starts talking to you. First, slap yourself, you're dreaming, but... You have this cup, and your cup starts giving you excuses on why you cannot use this cup. And the cup says, no, 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 you don't, you don't want to use me. Now is not a good time. And you got to tell your cup. He's like, well, I just need you to, I'm just going to put water in you for my kid. But then the cup goes on and gives you excuses. The cup says, no, you know what? I'm too dirty. Maybe you have grabbed a cup out of the counter before and went, that's eh, all right. You know, and you fill it up, and you give it to your kids, whatever. It's one of those things where I wouldn't drink out of it, but my six-year-old, yeah, she's fine. She's good. Well, I mean, it's too dirty, all right? Uh, the cup's too dirty. Okay, or maybe it gives you a different excuse. It says, ah, I'm too broken. Your kid dropped me. I got a chip. You know, you don't want to use me. I'll leak. I'm broken. Or the cup says, I'm just too average. You don't want to use this cup. It's nothing special about it. Maybe for you, that's the cup you want to give your kid, the average cup. But, you know, maybe it's just the cup says, no, nah, I'm too average. Don't want to use me. Or maybe the cup says, I'm too busy. I've been used a lot. Use somebody else. I got no time to help you right now. Now, obviously, those are silly excuses, right? Just from a cup's point of view. But it would be really crazy if you were able to have a conversation with a tool you wanted to use, and the tool gave you reasons for why you can't, it can't, and you're like, I really just have a real simple task. Just got to use you real quick. But that's kind of what happens to God, uh, with us and God sometimes. When we're trying to to, to God says, I just want to get a fresh cup of my living water to somebody. I want you to do this for me. Go tell that person about me right now. Here, here I am. Go give me to somebody. But just like that cup had excuses, you know what our excuses are? We say, God, I'm too dirty. I'm too dirty. Can't use me. I've, I've done too much. I've, I've got too many blemishes on my life. I am too dirty. You cannot use me. Or we tell God, I'm too broken. 
I've got a chip. I've been dropped too many times. I've dropped myself too many times. I am too broken. You cannot use me. Or we tell God, I'm too average. There's nothing special about me. There is nothing I can bring to this mission that you want to the world. I am just too plain, too average. I can't do it. Look for somebody else. There are so many people more qualified than me. Don't choose me. Or we say, I'm too busy. God, I've just got too much on my plate right now. I know you say it's a quick conversation, but that's going to turn into a longer conversation. That's going to turn into having coffee. Then it's going to turn into having come over for dinner. Then it's going to turn into friendship. I don't need any more friends. You have busyness. You say, God, I'm too busy. I don't want to do it. We can look at ourselves and we can say, God, I'm a broken, dirty, average, worthless cup. When God says, but what am I going to put in that cup? You're giving me to somebody else. Don't ever say those things. Our own insecurities take us out of commission. But it's our insecurities that take us out. God never takes us out. We start putting ourselves out of it. We say, I'm too self-focused. I, I don't want the inconvenience. And we, we hear what I said there. When it comes to sharing Jesus, we take ourselves out. He never does. Jesus doesn't say the excuses we say. When we say, I'm too dirty, you know what Jesus gets to say? I already cleaned you. Now what? What's next? Give me your next one. You say, God, I'm too broken. Jesus says, I perfected you. I healed you. Give me your next one. You'll never be able to give an excuse that God won't have a counter for. You can say, God, I'm too average. You know what Jesus will say? You are right now where I need you to do exactly what I asked you to do. Right now, as you are. This is what I want for you to do right now. Or you say, I'm too busy. Jesus says, just give me room and watch what we can do. Just give me that room and watch what we can do. I know as a church, I don't want to be just a consumer. I don't want us to just be consumers, especially when we've been given so much. We've been given so much, not just in this place, but in this life that God has for us. Remember what the Bible says in the book of Romans, Romans 12.1. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And true richness, the true richness in life is revealed when we take what we've been given and then we give it away. The true richness is when we take what we've been given and we say, this is not just for me, now this is for you. When God says, hey, I'm giving you grace, and you get to say, God, let me, let me show this other person your grace. Let me now live out what you've been doing for me. That is richness in life. That is making room for God to work in you and through you. This exchange of giving and receiving, this is how God designed his kingdom. And it's what he calls us to in Matthew. One of his final statements he says before he ascends into heaven, the great commission as we call it now. It's so directive and it's, it's big. And this is Jesus, these are his words. He says, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is saying, man, create room and be carriers. Create room and be filled. Create room. Take my living water and pass this out. Let people consume this, and then they can contribute. Then they can pass it out. Then they can give. And it's a great cycle. It's a beautiful cycle that happens when we're all firing on the same cylinder together. And that's what his followers did then. They did. They went out. They started sharing. And it's because of them that today we're even here. 
Because of the message they kept carrying at some point, in some way, shape, or form, it got to someone in your genealogy, someone in your heritage. It got down somewhere in your life. It got over here to America, and churches were built because they decided to not just be consumers of Jesus, but to be givers of Jesus. They made room, even though he was gone and in heaven, he's, they, they went out and they passed it out to everybody. They made room for him. But it's not automatic. It takes his church. It takes us to continue to, bring, to, to carry this mantle, to go and make disciples, to share this word, to make sure we're making room for Jesus and giving him to others. And there's a couple ways, I think, that all of us can make our lives available right now to having room, room for God in our lives. A couple practical things. Number one, tell your story. <clears throat> tell your story. Everybody here has got a story. The great thing is, no two people in here have the exact same story. Nobody. If you ever met that person, that's weird. Nobody has the exact same story. You all have different experiences. You all have different parents, different places you lived. You all have different ways that God has worked in your life. Tell your story. You may have heard the term evangelism before or being a witness, but when you hear those terms, you immediately think you've got to be on the stage or you've got to go out in the streets proclaiming to everyone you've met because that, that's the word what people associate with evangelism. But that's not, that's not always the case. Sometimes it just means talking to someone about your story. You tell someone your testimony. And when we, we say testimony, again, that's a big churchy word that some people don't fully understand. Testimony just means your story. Who were you before you knew Jesus? How did you meet him? What has he done now? If you have Jesus in your life, every one of you has a testimony. And there's somebody out there that can be crazy blessed by your story. One of the most powerful stories is of Jesus miraculously delivering and setting free a man possessed by a legion of demons. But what's great about the story is not just how Jesus frees this man of these demons, but it's also how this man says, Jesus, I want to come with you now. And Jesus is leaving, but you know what Jesus tells him? You need to stay here and tell your story. That man had a call right there to go tell his story in this land where people, that was their first encounter with Jesus, and it resulted with all of their pigs dead because that's what the demons went in. So a lot of them were not happy, but Jesus left, and he got to leave this man here to tell his story, a very powerful story where he was full of bondage and possession, and now he was free. He got to tell his story. Never think that your story is not important. Never think that your story is not going to touch somebody. Jesus tells him that in Mark 5, 19. Go home to your own people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I love that. That's where this concept of being a witness comes from. In, in a court case, you have witnesses, right? And you know what almost is? that You have evidence, but right up there is powerful with the evidence is the witnesses. What did the people see? Someone saw you do it. And if someone saw you do it, you know, they, they catch you dead to rights, right? Witnesses are important. And that's the call we have when it comes to being witnesses to Jesus. It's important. We all have, we have a firsthand story of what Jesus has done in our lives. That is being a witness. That is powerful. Never doubt the power of your witness, of your story. There may be moments at work, moments at school, moments at a sports gathering where you'll be able to share what's different about you or point people <clears throat> to the hope that you found in your difficult times. Even simple things, like when you're asked, hey, what did you do this weekend? By a coworker or someone at the grocery store. You get a chance to tell them maybe, hey, you want to hear something really cool? And you get to dive into some of your story. This is what Jesus did for me. <clears throat> Don't forget to leave out the amazing experience you had here on Sunday as well. Second, 
Invite people to church. Invite people to church. You know what the number one method of getting people to go to church was? Mind-blowing statistics. It was not ads in the paper. It was not billboards. It was not money-raising campaigns. It was inviting people. The tried and true method of inviting somebody still to this day is the number one way of getting someone to go to church. Sometimes people can see an advertisement and they'll think, oh, that would look nice. They'll, they'll drive by and, and see a sign and they'll go, hey, that looks really, really cool. And I know that there are some people that have seen the sign and said, I didn't know you guys were a church and they've checked us out and that was really, really cool. But the number one way people come to church is when they're personally invited by a friend or family member to come to church. We have an ability to ask people to invite us to church. <clears throat> and I would suggest inviting them to go out to lunch afterwards because when you have a fun church experience followed by food, even if they don't want to go to church, they'll come for the church just for the food afterwards, right? But in Jesus and food, it's a good combo. People, a lot, most of the time, most of the time, people will say yes to an invite because it's an inclusion thing that people want. Take a chance. Invite someone to church. The stats even go up when it's closer to Easter or Christmas. But the key is to continue to invite, even in the, the off-season, right? Use different forms of it. Use, use social media posts. Use texting. Call someone. Uh, send someone a note in the mail. I, I still love it when I get notes in the mail. I know it, it's, it's kind of a lost art form now, right? Writing someone a note and putting one of the, a, a stamp on it, right? But it's, it's exciting getting something in the mail. Invite people. Summer small groups are a great way to invite people to church. You're not maybe necessarily even inviting them here on a Sunday morning, but the fact that you're inviting them to a small group, you're inviting them to church. Invite someone to church. Three, lead people to Jesus inside and outside this place. I love it when I see people bring their friends and family to church with them so they can encounter Jesus, but, but did you know that you can help someone receive Christ and get saved before they ever step foot into a church? You can help someone encounter Jesus before they ever come on campus. And it's going to be done by the way you live your life. It's going to be done by the stories that you tell. It's going to be done by the way you interact, the way you build community and friendship. You can lead someone to Christ without even saying the words Jesus right away. They just, they see it in your attitude. They see it in your life. They see him working. Scripture says, let your light so shine before men. I love that when you're living the way Jesus wants you to, when you are in tune with him, when you've made room for him and he's working in your life, people get attracted to it. They don't even know what it is. And then you get to tell them that they're attracted to Jesus. It's not you, even if you're a pretty good-looking person. They're attracted to Jesus living in you. We get to invite people to join Jesus inside and outside the church. Know that it's not just the pastors or church leaders that can begin a journey with someone with Jesus. Everybody can. All of us get to do it. Many of us feel unsure of how to do that, but that's what we have the Bible for. When we don't know the words to say, we can point them to Scripture. We can say, this is, I don't have all the answers. This book does. This God has everything, and you've got to have a conversation with him. The main key is that we're going to challenge people and encourage people to start putting their faith in something that maybe they've never seen before. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And if anyone's wondering, like, I just don't know where to start. Like, how would I even begin to describe what Jesus has done, who he is with somebody? I just don't know how to spark it. There's some key things. There's, it's, there's four points, I think, really. Or um, for the kids, I say it's as easy as ABC. 
But, but four, four quick points you could say is tell someone, hey, God loves you, he created you, and he lets you make your own choices. There's the first step, right? You say, all right. Then what? Say, step two. We, screw, we, we, just, we, we messed up our own choices. We blew it. God let us make our own choices. We messed it up. We choose to disobey. Sin entered the world. Sin caused a separation between us and God, and the penalty for that is death. Now, before they totally tap out at that point and go, well, great, now I'm done, right? God created me, loves me, let me choose. I chose death. Then you get to tell them the beautiful part of the story. Jesus came back as a perfect sacrifice to pray the, pay the price for that death, and he brought us back to him. And when we call on Jesus and choose to follow him, we receive this perfect gift of grace, we don't die. We get to be with him for eternity. That's what he's done for us. And that's the gospel in a nutshell. Point them to John three sixteen if you don't have the words. That's the nutshell. For children, I would tell them, kids, it's as easy as ABC. All the kids know their ABCs. Say, A, admit what we've done. Admit our part in this, right? Admit that we sin, we've messed it up. B, believe in Jesus and what he's done. Believe he's the son of God. C, you choose to follow him. If you know your ABCs, you can admit, believe, choose Jesus. Since we've received salvation through Jesus, we can ask him for opportunities to share our story. Like I said, you all have a story. Just pray for those opportunities to say, God, show me somebody. Who gets to hear my story today? Who do I get to do some life with and share you and how you've worked in me? When you're willing to be used by God, when you create space in your life, it's incredible to see the things that he does and how he grows in your life. Who could bring a cool, fresh glass of living water to someone this week? And then your mind think, who can I bring that glass to today? Who can I bring it to tomorrow? Who at work could I say, hey, I'm not just a busy, broken, chipped, dirty cup God, I get to be used because you're filling me up. And who do I get to go bless today? Who do I get to go say, let me tell you this story? And I want to close with this thought of encouragement. The reward of availability, the reward of our availability is closeness. Bring it back to the first thing we talked about four weeks ago in this series. The reward of our availability is being close. If we look at Jesus from afar, we look at him and say, he's, he's just too far away and I'm going to keep Jesus at a distance, we're not making ourselves available. But the reward of availability, we say, God, I'm going to be available to you. That space closes and that gap comes down. And we get to see Jesus up close. And he gets to see us up close. And we get to be working together for his glory up close. And we get to see what he really wants. We get to see who he is and what he wants for those around us and in our hearts. To do that, though, you got to make room. Make yourself available to see what he has in store for you. Being available to the plan of God places you directly in the hands of God. Being available to the plan puts you directly in his hands. And there's something about being on mission that keeps you so close to his presence and his voice in your life. It's the desire to partner with him so that we can reach our community. I'd like to invite the worship team up as we close this morning. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This, vi- this verse highlights a few amazing things. The first two are more familiar to us, grace and love, but the last one, The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's something maybe some of us are less familiar with. And and honestly, I initially wonder why the Bible didn't just use the term friendship with the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we think fellowship and we think that's kind of outdated, kind of churchy. But as you look into it, fellowship really means partnership. 
we get to be partners with the Holy Spirit. That's incredible. When we make room for God, we become partners with him. And man, when he, we have the best teammate on your side, there's nothing you can't accomplish. Nothing you can't go do. Nothing that he can't say, that's too big. He says, that's not big enough. Let's go for it. Would you guys stand with me? God wants to partner with you and empower you. And I'll leave you with this last verse. Acts 1.8 says, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power to be a witness. You don't have to do this on your own. When Mary made room for Jesus, the Holy Spirit came in and did the work. God tells us when you make yourself available, the Holy Spirit will come to you and give you the power to do the work. You are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and we get to be the witnesses to the ends of the earth. Through the fellowship and partnership of the Holy Spirit, go tell your story. Make room and say, God, let's do this and see what we can accomplish. Amen? God, I thank you for today. God, I, I thank you that, that you fill us with your spirit, that, that you work in us and you move in us and that we're not in this by ourselves. God, I pray that we all make room for you. Our schedules are never too busy for more Jesus. I know there's a, a song right now that says, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. God, I pray for a little more you in my life and a little less of me in my life. I pray that the next time something comes up where I have an opportunity to make room for you and watch you work, God, I seize it. I pray that we seize it as a church and we watch you explode through this community because we have made room for you and we get to see you grow through us. God, we thank you, we love you, and everybody said... Amen.